It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Moving on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to discuss the game coming up later today with the Jets and the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. This is the official pregame show of Play Like a Jet, along with, of course, the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, welcome back from the West Coast, sir. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'd prefer to still be out there, but, you know, I'm here, so a welcome back is, is, is good, too. Please tell me you didn't eat the pizza while you were out there. No, I did not. Uh, we we almost had to at one point get some some pizza out there. The, you know, the thing about the pizza out there, most of it is like these little, you know, the little personal ones. And they're usually like, they do it a little differently. They're really thin. So it's really just a lot of cheese. And it's, it's not pizza, but it, it's still, you know, that quick, you need something quick to eat. And like, especially late night. It still works. It's it's not comparable, obviously, and it's something completely different. But it still kind of works. So they they do have uh, ways around, uh, you know, being able to make the pizza at least tolerable. Tolerable is not how I like my pizza. So that would be something I'd have passed on if I was out on the West Coast. But I guess if you have no choice, you have no choice. Just kind of like the Jets have no choice right now with their cornerback situation. Things are ugly, Chris. I brought up a couple of names yesterday that George Bremer fed me that could be available from the Colts. I know there's been some talk about Joe Douglas calling the Eagles or maybe even the Ravens. I've stressed this many times, and I'm sure you're going to back me up on this. If you're waiting for a big move like Jalen Ramsey or Jimmy Smith, you're going to be waiting a long time because that's not going to happen. You're probably looking at them acquiring a player or two in the secondary that has potential to start but could also be a depth piece. I don't see any type of superstar walking in here. What is the latest with this? Have you heard any rumblings about some guys that the Jets might be looking to bring in? Yeah, I haven't really heard anything. And, you know, that's I'm not going to get anything from the uh, the Jets at this point. With a a brand-new GM, with a a new head coach, uh, I probably won't hear anything from the Jets side of things until, you know, maybe sometime if a deal is reached. Um, so to, if anybody going to hear anything, it's probably going to be from an agent or from a source, a league source or a source with another team. That's where you're really going to have to go and probably dig uh, around to be able to unearth anything. I can't imagine that um, Joe Douglas is going to be sitting here just, you know, letting stuff out uh, beforehand this early in the process. And, like you said, I will back you up and agree with you about the big name guys. I can't see Joe Douglas 
trading away high uh, draft picks right away this season. Again, then we've talked about this. The Jets aren't in there. We think they can compete for the playoffs this year. We also think they're most likely going to miss the playoffs this year. If we were talking about thinking they could compete for the Super Bowl, then sure, we could entertain more of a Jalen Ramsey type of option, but we're not there yet. Uh, so I don't see them going and making any type of big move like that. Um, you know, obviously the names that you have with the Colts there, those are would fit the description of somebody that could there's could be some upside there, but it's not going to get anybody overly excited. Uh, you could you could see that's probably what we're looking at right now. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't have a, I didn't have internet connection out in California, so I, I stayed uh, pretty much off the grid. So in these next couple of days, I'll start trying to see what I can find out with other teams that are going to be who might be expendable. Um, and again, we're going to start, we're going to find out a lot of that soon enough when the uh, final roster moves had to be made. I still think the most likely scenario is that they're just going to wait for roster camp cuts. Obviously Joe Douglas has been aggressive in some ways so far. So if somebody does pop up that available that he likes, I, I do think he'd pull that trigger, but I don't have a name right now to say that, yeah, that's somebody he he's going to want to go after or it, it, that guy is available. So I still think more like more than likely we'll have to wait until the training camp cuts happen. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. As I said yesterday on the podcast with Matt Stipulkowski, Nate Hairston is a name that I heard from George Bremer. And obviously Rex Hogan has ties to the Colts. So there could be something there. Maybe a conditional late round pick. 25 years old. Last year showed some promise the first half of the year, had a really, really bad game, and then fell off the map and was more or less persona non grata. You've got the situation in Philly, although there's an injury there now, so who knows what happens. We'll see if that clears up. I'm sure they'll take a look at guys and camp cuts, but for now, nothing too crazy going on. Same thing with kicker, by the way. A lot of people expecting kicker moves. I know Matt Bryan is certainly thirsty. He's been on social media semi-lobbying for the job, not being very coy about it, his wife doing the same thing. But I got to be honest, Chris, and I could be wrong here, I'm starting to get the impression, and I'm not saying that this doesn't mean there won't be competition, but I feel like Taylor Bertolet is going to end up being the kicker. I didn't think that when this whole thing first went down, but the more and more I ask people, and the more and more I pay attention to what Brant Boyer is saying, I think Bertolette's going to be the kicker. Yeah, I I came back uh, on Tuesday morning. I, I landed at like 6 a.m. and I went to practice. And then uh, Brant Boyer was speaking after practice. All the coordinators spoke. And listening to him, I, I kind of got the feeling that Brant Boyer was basically saying, without completely coming out and saying it and confirming it, was basically saying that he – he wanted uh, Burlett to be the kicker last year. And then they ended up going with Myers. Um, he, you know, he's talked about how he has a lot of confidence in him, how he was at like 85, 86% last spring. He's got a really strong leg uh, that the kickoff, that the distance on kickoffs for him is going to be something that, uh, that he has no issue with. So the, you know, and this could, of course, be coach speak. We've heard this all the time. Just Greg Williams is sitting here telling us that he's not worried at all about the the cornerback depth situation they got going on. I asked uh, Dow Loggins and the wide receivers coach 
uh, a question where I was like, we know what we have in the top three guys, and both of them were like, hey, our depth chart's not set, you know. And like, come on, we all know the, who the top three receivers are. You don't need to be coy with us for that. Um, so, like, it could be a little bit of coach speak there and him just talking him up. But I got the impression that that Grant Boyer really, really liked him and I, that that was real. So we'll have to see, uh, you know, if obviously that's who they called and that's who they brought in. I can't see them being like, all right, we need a new kicker. Let's go to the fifth guy on our list. They went with the guy at the top of their list. So as long as he doesn't give him a reason to go back into that list, I would say that he's probably going to end up winning the job. Feels that way. It's certainly possible that somebody comes in, and I would like to see them bring in competition, but I'm starting to get the impression that Taylor Bertolette is going to end up being the kicker. He did have a good practice on Tuesday, so fingers crossed that he continues to kick well in this preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons. Chris, before we move on to previewing the game and talking about who's going to play and how much they're going to play, this Le'Veon Bell rap video, Matt Stipulkowski over at NJ.com, really, really didn't like it. I got to be honest, I have zero expectations for Le'Veon Bell's music. It's funny because Damian Lillard just recently dropped a rap album, calls himself Dame Dalla, and the reviews that a lot of people had for it were pretty good for a basketball player. I think if Le'Veon Bell could get to that level, he should be happy with himself, but from what I understand, he's not even close to that level, and this music video is just as bad as his rap music from what I'm hearing. Have you had an opportunity to check this video out? I know you did listen to his album, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if I recall correctly, you didn't exactly think that he was the next Jay-Z. Well, no, he's definitely not the next Jay-Z. Uh, but here, here's the thing, and while I will say that I, di- I didn't get a chance to watch the video, um, I did listen to uh, the album that he released, and my impression at the time was, uh, so, uh, someone on Twitter said that it was a, a stored uh, brand future. And that, that is something that I, I can agree with. And future, I know you're not a big rap fan, but future is a different type of rap. And I, I haven't listened to Dame, uh, Damian Lillard's album, but I did listen to a couple of songs he uh, released when he was doing that uh, back and forth with uh, – I forget who the, who the other player that he was doing it with, but another NBA player where they were pretending to be dissing each other. And Dame, Dame can actually rap. Like, Dame has lyrics and can actually rap. But what Le'Veon Bell does is kind of different. And it's, it's just kind of – it's just vibing music. And he doesn't really rap. It's, it's like, more sing-songy. Um, that style isn't for me. But I would also sit here and say, like, if if – to me, if somebody likes Future, who is an incredibly popular music artist, somebody likes Future, I don't understand why they wouldn't like this. It sounds very similar to me. So that's my critique of Le'Veon Bell. But that again, that style of music is not, not for me. But again, Damian, Damian Lillard can actually rap. Like he, he, he actually has lyrical ability. That's not what uh, Le'Veon Bell is trying to do. He just says some catchy stuff over a beat and just – it's more sing-songy. So that's a whole different thing there. But I will check it out. And no matter what, <clears throat> no matter what happens, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to laugh. That's the way you view it as entertainment. I heard similar things about the Damian Lillard album. Like I said, 
What I heard was that it was pretty good for a basketball player, that he's not on that elite level with guys that are really great rappers, but that, as you said, he can actually rap. Le'Veon Bell, I guess, is a different style, so we'll see what happens. I know that he came out and said that he wants to be the best both rapping and playing football, so let's hope he wins a Grammy and a Super Bowl. That would be nice. I think every Jets fan would be happy with that. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. And now, let's talk a little bit about what's going to happen against the Atlanta Falcons. First of all, Chris, quite a few Jets are not going to play. It looks like three-fifths of that projected starting offensive line won't be going. Ryan Khalil, for obvious reasons, he just got here. He hasn't even had an opportunity to practice yet, so he's not going to play. And then Assemble and Winters both going to be held out of this one. There's a few others, including Tremaine Johnson. It's going to be interesting to see how much the Jets risk their key players, like, for instance, Sam Darnold here, especially with three-fifths of that projected starting offensive line not being able to play against the Falcons. Yeah, that's got to be the biggest question mark going into this this game for me. Uh, How long do you play Sam Darnold? And that would have been a question even if the line was completely healthy. But how long do you play him behind three backups in the center of that line? Now, Jonathan Harrison will be one of the guys there. And just a couple weeks ago, we thought he was going to be the guy starting there. So that's a little bit of tricky math there. Uh, He should be fine. That's not going to worry me nearly as much as Tom Compton starting in front of him. You know, how long do you play him? You have, you have to play him some. You need to get him reps in the live game against a different opponent. He had that one drive last week. It's, uh, it seemed a little similar to the Detroit game at the start of the season last year. That first throw was really bad, and then he went out and he just picked apart the Giants' defense for the rest of that drive. But you need to start slowly building him up. And, yes, of course, there's always a risk playing in preseason. But as I've said before – the less you do in preseason, the more the start of the season is just an extension of preseason. You're still trying to work out kinks that should have actually been worked out in the preseason. So you have to they're gonna have to find some balancing act. And I wouldn't be surprised if their game plan right now is all right, listen, we're gonna play him for a drive and see how the line holds up. And if we don't feel comfortable after that drive, then that's all he's gonna play this week if they feel more comfortable after that drive then maybe they'll give them another uh couple of series i would think ideally gase would have liked to get anywhere from two to uh, two or three maybe even four series out of him but i can't see them getting up that high with the offensive line in the shape that it's in now so i think he's still going to try to shoot for two to three but again if that line looks shaky at the beginning i wouldn't be shocked if it was just one series for him either what about Le'Veon Bell? He didn't play in the first game. I'd imagine they're going to be pretty cautious with him. You think he's going to play more than, say, a drive or two? I, no, I don't think so. Uh, not, uh, I could see them get, giving him just like two or three touches, and that's about it. Um, I can't – and, you know, that's going to be a, a sim- similar thing. They're not going to go if, – if that line isn't doing well, then they're certainly not going to send him out there. But – you know, Le'Veon Bell's had a history of not uh, playing in the preseason and going on and being fine. Running back's one of those positions, too, where it's not at nearly as necessary for them to play in the preseason as everybody else. So I don't, 
I, I'd be surprised if he got more than one or two. That's Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be surprised. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he didn't play. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Who else do you see being limited severely, whether they're hurt or not hurt? We know about the guys that aren't going to play, but I would imagine that somebody like Quincy Inunua, who's a constant injury risk, is going to be limited as well. Maybe even Jamison Crowder. I don't know how much these starters are going to play, to be honest, Chris, because usually you expect maybe a quarter, a quarter and a half. I don't know if it's going to be that much this time. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that much. Uh, you know, that I think that, again, ideally that they would like to get that, but especially because, you know, the first stretch of training camp, they were m- remarkably injury-free, and then it was just one player after another. Um, so uh, I, I could see, and when you're talking about, you know, two, three-fifths of a unit, being out that's going to change everything if they're not starting the starting offensive line and then they're not starting the starting quarterback they're not going to start the wide receivers either um you know so i someone like herndon herndon's going to get a a bunch of reps because he's going to miss the first few games of the season so they're going to try to give him a bunch of reps i could see uh quincy being not uh, definitely not he's going to play but i could see him not getting too many reps on the other side of the ball, I could see Leonard Williams really not playing much. They just brought him back, but maybe they give him in for a series at, or two at most, but they're not going to overextend him. Uh, obviously, we know they're probably not, they're not going to send Marcus May out there. He practiced again in, in team drills, but he was wearing the red penny. If he's, if he's still wearing the red penny in, in practice, they're not going to send him out to play. Uh, Trumaine Johnson, I'm sure, is not going to play. So there's there's going to be a lot of starters missing from this game. And when that when you have that many starters missing from the game, that just kind of encourages coaches to get to all the backups and depth players even quicker. And at least then they that get gives them more tape to evaluate some of these bottom roster guys. Speaking of which, who from that group you just mentioned should we pay particular attention to? Obviously, we were going to talk about Deontay Burnett and Tim White and even Greg Dorch. It, uh, again, talking with Brant Boyer, the way he uh, talked about Dorch, he really likes what they have there as, from the punt return aspect of it. So as long as he's not a disaster at receiver, it seems like he's going to have a roster spot here. And, um, you know, so then you're going to want to watch to see what he can do, how he can contribute too. Obviously, you'll see maybe Josh Bellamy get some more reps too. Don't have high hopes for him as a receiver there, but maybe he can get a chance to prove he deserves some more playing time. But I would say Deontay Burnett and Tim White are the two guys to really look out for there. And then offensive line, just anybody who's out there, just look. There's so little depth on this team. And then you have the injuries to the starters. If anybody on that line is looking halfway decent, that's that's to be celebrated. That's to be paid attention to and celebrated. Um, you know, on defense, you're going to look at someone like Kyron Brown, but he's got nicked up with injuries, so we'll have to see what's going there. Arthur Mallet, Mallet, I believe is how you pronounce it. He's been getting a lot of reps with the first team, so you're going to see him out there. Obviously. Probably won't isn't going to be going up against Julio Jones, but they still got Calvin Ridley out there. Some other players. Uh, we'll see how long the Falcons start their guys, and then we're going to go back and the uh, 
a safety situation, you're going to see more of Rontez Miles back there still uh, with Marcus May out. And then, you know, the, the, the linebacker situation inside, you're still going to see C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson out there. And then you're going to see, you know, a Neville Hewitt and Anthony Went. Those are the guys to watch there. So it won't change too much there. It's just cashman. It won't have that much of a ripple effect. But the cornerback situation is really going to have the biggest ripple effect. Again, just because they don't they, they don't have particularly great guys to begin with. Uh, they have during practice they were starting Daryl Roberts on the outside and uh, Brian Poole on the outside in just two cornerback sets, and then uh, switching Poole inside uh, and sending Kyron Brown outside. So those are the names to look for at the quarterback situation. Do you think it's time that these teams and maybe the league itself starts to look at the possibility of toning down these preseason games? I know that they're not going to eliminate them outright because there's revenue involved, but how many times do we have to see guys getting hurt and teams panicking to play anybody worthwhile before we start to admit the obvious, which is that these games are a waste of time and all they end up doing a lot of times is causing pain to these teams, especially as it pertains to key players. We see what's going on with Andrew Luck now. He's out for the rest of the preseason. We could have an entire laundry list of guys that have either been hurt or teams are afraid to play because they're afraid that guy might get hurt. What is the point of all of this? I mean, this, again, I'm going to say this. If you limit what you limit in the preseason is going to extend into the the regular season. So the less work you do in the preseason is going to make the beginning of the season more sloppy. And also, if you're not easing your way into the preseason, then you're upping the chances that players are going to get hurt at, at the beginning of the regular season. To be able to go from just training camp straight to a game where you're playing 70 snaps, that's going to up your chances of getting hurt. So, yes, it, preseason sound feels boring and pointless, but it, it is getting them in more football shape. It is getting them ready to go from zero to playing 70 snaps is going to cause more injuries in the long run. <laughs> and you that's how you have to prepare for football. You can't prepare for football by not playing football. They're going to get guys hurt. Guys get hurt in training camp. Guys get hurt um, by by not putting shoes on in cryotherapy chambers. Like, guys get hurt in lots of different ways. Uh, That's just a way of life. You're not going to be able to do it. I still think that each team benefits more from preseason than the individual injuries that they suffer end up hurting them. Um, obviously, you lose a quarterback. That's going to be a, a different problem, but it's still something that you kind of have to do. Again, otherwise, it's just going to be sloppy to start the season. They need to practice by playing football against other teams who are also playing football. Play like a jet. Play like a jet with your host Scott Mason. We talked about the guys to watch, but Chris, who are the guys that really need to impress against the Falcons? Well, uh. Man, again, that we can go with anybody on that offensive line because I I would think that Joe Douglas is going to be scouring the waiver wire and free agency after that the final cuts are made. So you know, someone like Tom Compton is getting a chance to come in and start. When I'd be surprised if he's on this roster at all. So he's somebody who needs to take a chance. 
uh, or who needs to stand out tonight. Uh, yeah, and then same with the cornerback group, Kyron Brown. We just saw uh, Derek Jones just get released there. That's another position that uh, Joe Douglas is going to be busy uh, filling up. Uh, then there's, you know, some other guys, uh, a lot of guys that you're going to look at the the McCagnan guys, you know, uh, obviously you look at running back Eli McGuire, Trenton Cannon, you can look at somebody like Folo Fatukasi uh, on defense, that defensive line. This is a deep defensive line. There's a lot of good players on that line. So whereas Mike McCagnan, if he was still here, would have probably wanted to try to keep keep him around because he drafted him just last year. Joe Douglas isn't going to feel any type of loyalty to him there. So there's somebody to look at on the defensive line. Somebody like Kyle Phillips, who has been impressing the, the coaches a lot, but he's still kind of come out of nowhere. Some, he can come out and continue to impress the coaches and maybe try to cement himself there. Um, obviously, again, uh, right now, I feel confident that Tim White, Deontay Burnett, and Greg Dortch are going to make this roster. But if they go out there and just lay an egg in games, that could be a problem. Uh, Taylor Burlett, obviously, at the kicker situation. So there, there's a bunch of players there. And then, obviously, the, the, the backup quarterback's going to be fighting to, to try to convince the Jets to keep three of them. Uh, because, again, Trevor Simeon's going to be the number two. I don't think they're going to end up keeping three, especially with these guys as the option. I think Luke Falk will most likely end up on the practice squad, but this is an opportunity for them to go out there and show the Jets that they should keep them or to show another team, pick them up, and give them a chance. Chris, last order of business before we go. I thought this would be fun to do. Magic Johnson just turned 60, and in honor of that, he went on his social media and started posting his 60 favorite of a bunch of different things, his 60 favorite restaurants, 60 favorite places to travel. We're not going to do all that, but he did do his top 60 television shows and movies, so I thought it'd be fun if we did our top five movies and top five television shows. Now, obviously, this is one of those situations where there's going to be movies we leave off, and then we're going to come back and go, oh, I can't believe I left that off, and same thing with TV shows. So we'll just throw out five that we really like and give you a general idea of what we think are five of the best television shows and five of the best movies of all time that we really enjoyed. And this could just be something where, oh, this show, when it's on, I make sure that I watch it because it's always funny or it's always interesting. Or this movie, I listed it because anytime it's on TV, I make sure that I'm watching it. So whatever the criteria ends up being, it's just five movies you really, really enjoy and five television shows you really, really enjoy. I'm going to go first. So for movies... Here are five that I've watched multiple times, and they're still five of my all-time favorites. Die Hard, Major League, A Few Good Men, Midnight Run, and Fargo. So a nice cross-section there of comedies, dramas, and action movies. As far as television shows, this is a little bit harder because there's been so many great shows over the years that I've really loved. Some that I've had to leave out, including Justified, which we've talked about a lot. It's probably in my top ten, but not quite in my top five. So here's what I've got. The three obvious ones are the three, to me, hands-down greatest television dramas of all time in whatever order you want to put them in. The Wire, The Sopranos, and Breaking Bad. 
And then the last two that I picked here are Seinfeld and Quantum Leap. There are so many other television shows that I would love to add. If this is a top 10, I would put in shows like Cheers, for instance, Homicide, Life on the Street, maybe even Justified. But if I'm only picking five, those would be the five. So what do you think, Chris? What do you have on your list for top five movies and top five television shows in honor of Magic Johnson's 60th birthday? Yeah, this is tough and tricky for me. I typically like to separate when I'm judging or ranking my favorite TV shows and movies. I like to separate sitcoms and dramas and, you know, just comedies from other movies. But we're going to throw them all together here. So let's just run with it. For movies, it is Usual Suspects, The Prestige. Uh, I got to go old school here for me on the comedy tip and just go with Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. And then I'm going to throw a wild a curveball in there that I can't fully explain why this movie makes me so happy. Uh, I can partially explain it, but it's also not something that I'm going to explain for reasons that you know I just can't really talk about in a public forum. But it's a, a, uh, the movie Madagascar. The little cartoon movie, I that movie makes me unreasonably happy, and I can't fully explain why. Um, with the TV shows, this is this is pretty easy for me. It's uh, The Wire, Game of Thrones, Lost. Then I have to go Parks and Recreation, and uh, that fifth one though, I could I could throw pretty much any other um, of Mike Schur's comedy in there. Um, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna have to go with The Simpsons as my fifth there. That's that's just it. But uh, Park, Parks and Rec is at the top of that list because, again, like Madagascar, that that show just makes me unreasonably happy. Some fine choices there, Chris. I think that there are some people that would disagree with Madagascar, but listen, this oh, is all sure. about what makes you happy. And look, there are plenty of movies that I enjoy that a lot of people would say, why would you put that on any kind of list? I'll tell you one movie, it would never make my top five, but for some reason I enjoy it and I've watched it a million times, Last Action Hero. It's not a movie that I would consider even a good movie, it's just for some reason I really enjoy it and I'm usually in a good mood after I watch it. So I found it enjoyable, even though it wasn't really the best movie in the world. It probably didn't make more than about $3.5 million at the box office, which is what you can get if you win the best ball championship over at the Draft app and Draft.com. I'm taking a shot at that $3.5 million by playing over there. You can too, and here's how. You go to the Draft app, Draft.com, and sign up. And then you go and do a very easy, basic snake draft. You don't have to worry about complex stuff like salary caps or auctions. Plus, you don't have to spend much time managing the roster. You pick your players and that's it. They'll make sure that your best guys are in every single week. Sounds like fun, right? And hey, who wouldn't want a shot at $3.5 million? Well, the best part is you can get that shot at $3.5 million for free if you use the promo code I'm about to give you. Play like. That's right. The promo code is play like P L A Y L I K E. You go to the draft app, draft.com. You enter that in after you make your first deposit, and you will get a free shot at the $3.5 million grand prize in the best ball championship, just like I've got. We're going to play against each other, and I am going to beat you for that $3.5 million, or at least I'm going to try. 
Chris, thanks so much for coming back from your vacation and previewing the game as we get ready for Jets and Falcons later tonight. Should be interesting to see which guys step up, which guys play, which guys don't play, and which guys play very, very sparingly. Of course, we will have a post-game report with Matt Stiblikowski, who is on the road in Atlanta, coming up for you early in the morning on Thursday. So first thing, in fact, it'll probably be posted sometime in the middle of the night, just like the last post-game report was. I didn't get much sleep that night, but thankfully... It was a report that was worth talking about because Sam Darnold had a heck of a drive and it was fun to recap that in other moments from the game. Let's hope that the Jets give us some more moments along those lines in this game as well. Chris, I know that since you were away, Alan Schechter was doing most of the writing, so it's junior big deal stuff over there at JetsInsider.com. I kid, I kid. Alan does a great job over there. Well, what can we expect to see when we log on to JetsInsider.com? Yeah, you know, I was planning on trying to uh, uh, drop some articles that while I was out there, but I was way too tired on the plane. 6 a.m. flight wasn't, was not a wise decision. And then I had no internet connect, uh, a very bad internet connection out there. I couldn't get it off. So I'm going to have, uh, I'm gonna have a, uh, you know, just a preview article to talk about some more things to go into this game. And then I'm going to, the next couple of days, I'm really going to, look at what happened and dissect those things and really start to figure out who's, who's really set on this roster, what areas we've talked about it, of course, but I'm going to really go through that. And then uh, I, like I said earlier, get into this podcast, I'm going to start looking around at some of these other teams, see who might shake free for Joe Douglas to scoop up and see who would make good sense for the jets to do that. So over this next week, I'm going to get busy doing a lot of pumping out of a lot of articles Pretty much all in that same vein, just trying to see where the Jets are at right now entering the season and what, where they need to do something different and what that something different could possibly be. You heard the man. Go ahead over to JetsInsider.com and read his very big deal work. And also the work of Alan Schechter, at Alan underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets dot com.